Welcome to the Innovate CT Podcast. I have the pleasure of speaking to Deborah Sisitsky, who is the CEO at Makerspace CT. So Deborah, thanks for uh, making the time to meet with us. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Well, um, so as you know, uh, you know, for our Innovate CT podcast, we interview a variety of people across the state that are doing things within the innovation and education space. And I've interviewed, you know, uh, teachers and um, volunteers at different events. I've interviewed um, some people that run co-working spaces. I've interviewed a variety of different folks so far. I have not interviewed anyone that has their own makerspace, so I'm very excited that I get to speak with you. And I think before we even dive into who, who is Deborah and what is Makerspace CT, can you share with all my listeners, what is a makerspace? Because sure. I know a lot of people know, but probably not everyone. Well, uh, makerspace is born out of a very unique and exciting back to the future maker movement. Uh, and I say this because years ago, our country was evolved from people that were creative, innovative, made whatever they needed. Um, you know, as recently as 20 or 30 years back, we used to have industrial arts classes in school. We used to teach sewing. We used to teach a lot of crafts. And the maker movement is really, in essence, um, uh, a movement to get back to the ability to create and make things and to sort of encourage our culture to move from one of conspicuous consumption to that of innovation and creation. So a makerspace or our makerspace, in fact, will be a nonprofit community resource open to the public, offering all sorts of classes and access to equipment, tools needed to manufacture prototypes, um, to teach hobbyists, to work on artistic endeavors, um, to work on hardware. Um, and it's a movement that offers professional tools and equipment to the public so that they can utilize this in some way to follow their dreams of creation and innovation. Very cool. No, th thanks for defining that because I, I know from speaking with you and others in, in, in the community that makerspace is, is, is a growing trend, really not only in the United States, but globally, but I know not all of our listeners would have understood that. So thanks for sharing that. So, so that's what the makerspace is. And Deborah, you, you know, your, your LinkedIn profile says you're the CEO at makerspace CT. So I'd love to hear a little bit about you and, and how you ended up becoming the CEO of a makerspace here in Connecticut. So if sure. you could share a little bit about your background and then I think we'd love to follow that up with, what is what are you building um, in Hartford uh, with with your makerspace CT? All right. So I will first tell you that I am a serial entrepreneur, and this is my thirty third startup. Wow! Uh, I wow! Am I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. I am. And some people like puzzles. <laughs> I am enraptured with startups, and my medium is the abstract. When I look at someone working in the wood shop or metal fabrication, I'm awestruck because what I create is concepts and ideas and I make things come to life. So um, I started years ago, um, right out of, uh, I worked for Xerox for a while in downtown Hartford in the gold building. 
Um, and uh, right out of that, I was hired away to start building medical facilities and a chain of medical. Back in those days, it was called a dock in the box. And I opened five of those and went on from there to do mammography centers and went on all around the country, um, opening up medical facilities for hospitals and a hospital consultant, working in ways to develop their suburban loyalty and population base on their census for urban hospitals. So it took me all over the country and it was a wonderful, a wonderful thing to do. Thereafter, I started newspapers, um, had a pet cremation business, um, ran a construction company. Uh, for me, the magnificent joy is in pulling all the puzzle pieces together for the business, figuring out what your foundation is, understanding what the landscape or the politics are in the area that you're going into, and figuring out how best your product can serve the community around and growing a business organically from the needs of the community. So thanks for sharing your background and and all the different businesses you started. I had no idea uh, that you've started that many companies, um, which I think is fascinating. But what I want to know is what makes Makerspace CT different from some of the other businesses that you've started in the past? Um, okay, well, obviously it's not a medical center, a newspaper, <laughs> or uh, a construction company. What's so wonderful about Makerspace CT is that we have the ability with this space and facility to reach out to a lot of people to support them. We have to understand that in addition to being on an incredible technological revolution right now, we are on the precipice of manufacturing things in a way that we've never understood before with 3D printing. Um, and we're working really hard with 3D printing to on so many different technologies. There are several different ways to 3D print, but people don't understand that we are going to utilize this in additive manufacturing in a way that's so different than what we've done in subtractive manufacturing. Um, and it's gonna change the way we live as residents, as artists, as manufacturers, as teachers. It will revolutionize our world so that we are able to create things in our home that we never thought we could. Years ago, we never thought we'd have PCs in our home and we didn't think we'd be learning software. Um, and no, we are- Those are fair points. I mean, it, it's the fourth industrial revolution is real and it's here. And it's, Absolutely. Gonna, it's gonna be interesting how, how, how we evolve as a state and as an economy and especially around the education piece of it. Well, and I think the other thing that we have to understand, and there's a lot more to talk about, about 3D printing in that, uh, and how it's revolutionizing our world and how the technologies and 3D printing is getting stronger. And we're moving um, with additives so that what once was metal sintering the process, we can now use additives. And one of the problems with sintering is that it's a slow process. Now we're coming up with additives so that we can metal 3D print at 10 times the rate. The technology is going in leaps and bounds. But what this ties to and what we have to understand is that the pathways to financial success um, or sustainability and careers are so different now than they were 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And that not every student 
makes a choice or is encouraged these days to go to a four-year college. Um, there are some people that are just absolutely gifted and brilliant in innovation and often don't have the patience <laughs> to go through traditional pathways um, and start creating right away, want to get into innovation. There are those students that don't have the means to go to college. A makerspace offers us the ability to bring opportunities to people of all different ages, intelligence, skill sets, to create different projects, industries, pathways, and careers in an alternative way. Uh, and often it's a way that's more accessible to them. Some people are just impassioned to move forward with an idea. And we're trying to bring those types of tools and opportunities to them to move forward. And some people call it non-traditional alternative pathways. Our children aren't gonna make their income the same way we do. They're not gonna join a large corporation and work for it for 50 years and have loyalty. That, that world is gone. No, and I, th and I think if you look at our state and Connecticut specifically, we have obviously, we have such a rich history of innovation dating back hundreds of years, all the way back to Samuel Cole and Igor Sikorsky, and I could go on and on in the list of people. Absolutely, yep. And so we have, we are rooted in innovation and especially, you know, manufacturing. And we have so many wonderful high-tech manufacturing jobs in Connecticut and you can have a fabulous career um, working in the manufacturing field. So, so I completely agree with you that the future of work and how students today will, 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 will interact with companies and the gig economy and just how they make money is going to change from how I, I work and how you worked and in our generations. I completely agree with that. And I think the, the main thing that your makerspace can really do to help kids and students is show them that manufacturing has a future and that future is it's safe, it's clean, and it's very technology driven, which I think is right. different from what a lot of kids think manufacturing is because maybe something someone told them or the perception they have in their heads. You know what? Nobody is really exposed to it. And I guess I'll just go into a little bit, um, you know, personal history for me um, my son, we were going through the Avon school system and, um, you know, my son came home to me and said, Hey mom, you know, got, got, got an A in French. I'm like, great buddy. You know, studied it for seven years. Love it. Hey mom, got an A in Latin. I'm like, I'm impressed. Great. That, you know, I studied Latin for four years. Mom got an A in English. And I was like, well, you know, w you come from a family of great writers and my son races motocross, has a monster truck. And um, would, um, he said, mom, how's this going to relate to my future? Yeah. And I said, well, I, I really don't see you getting a job with the CIA as a translator. So you bring up a really good point. Um, at that point, Avon had a program with Bristol Tech, whereupon a student could get a diploma at Bristol Tech excuse me, a diploma at Avon High and a certificate at Bristol Tech. And so we transitioned to that program and I put them into manufacturing. And I think once you start understanding about the skills gap and what's going on in our society, what we've trained our children for job-wise, the jobs that exist today, 
not even taking into consideration the future, but right now there are over 500,000 unfilled advanced manufacturing jobs in the United States. We predict in the Northeast Corridor that over 110,632 unfilled jobs will exist in the next 10 years. And you have to multiply that by the supply chain jobs and everyone that right. services those positions. Yeah. That's a big number. And it's a big number. And once you start thinking about that and thinking about when I went into my child's school and said, you know, do you guys know anything about vocational schools, trade schools, what we've got around here? There was virtually very limited information. Um, and it wasn't easy to make the transition. And once you understand, someone came into my rotary from, um, from CBIA and spoke uh, about manufacturing and how a student graduating in manufacturing in five years after graduation could be making around $90,000. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. A lot of information that we haven't disseminated to the parents, nor have we disseminated this to students. Right. Um, and we have not aligned our high school education opportunities with the existing jobs that are out there. And once you start looking into that, and you know, I don't want to imply that makerspace is just for college age kids. We are for adults. We're for senior citizens. We're for everyone that wants to pick up another trade, a hobbyist, someone that's into cosplay or entrepreneur. Um, you know, we are going to have CNC machines, electronics, we'll teach coding, um, we'll have fiber arts, fabrication, wood, metal fabrication, uh, traditional blacksmithing, um, arts, prototype creation. So that, that, so that, so, and I completely agree with everything you're saying. And I think it's, the, the space sounds amazing. So a couple questions, how big is the space? Because it sounds like you're going to need a lot of space for all this equipment. Where yep. is the space? And, and I think I really love to know when, when is this going to be open to the public? Your, your full space with all this, all this equipment. Sure. So our space is in what most of us natives know as the G Fox building, otherwise known as 960 Main Street in Hartford. And we are in the same building as Capital Community College. Yeah, very famous building. Beautiful building. And if you talk to people here, everybody has a story. Everybody has a G Fox story. We all went there as children, had our first shopping experiences. Everyone has one and they're really quite charming. Um, and I'm happy to say that we just spent the last few weeks restoring the original terrazzo and brass flooring in our space. When people ask me, where am I in the building? The building is massive. It's much like a fortress. We're, uh, we have one location on Main Street um, right as you walk in on the main floor for our education center. And then uh, another location beneath that over 20,000 square feet, which is what I colloquially tell my friends tongue in cheek is we're in house coats. Cause that's what was down there when we were younger. That, that's funny. And so it, and you know, I, luckily I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to see some of the progress you've been making online, which has been phenomenal. Um, so, so you made a lot of progress. I mean, you, you went from to your, like, it was just basically empty, right? With, with, you know, there was, the, the floor wasn't done. You, you had all this work to do. 
Yep. How the long, room. How, how long has this been going on? How's the progress? I know the floors look beautiful. Thank um, you. And, and where, where did we go from here? Um, so we've been at it for a bit now. We had to patch the ceiling. There were a lot of penetrations in the ceiling that took quite a while unexpectedly. Um, and we're working on um, all of our, our trades now, electrical, um, plumbing, sheet metal. Uh, it's a very complicated building, very complicated building in that um, there are 11 floors and every one of those 11 floors and offices, somehow all their ductwork kind of empties into our space. Yeah. So um, it's been inordinately challenging figuring out um, you know, how in fact to route our duct work and um, handle specialty fumes. And it's um, a historic building, it's condominiumized, so everything is not accessible. It's been fraught with some very intriguing challenges. Um, and I'm happy to say we've, we've, we've raced through all the hurdles. I have a really incredible team that's been working to help us out um, and get through the challenges. And we are hoping um, this winter, uh, to be open, the winter of 2019. Um, cool. you know, that's what we're shooting for. No, that, that's, that's fantastic. And for, for those people that, that want to know more, we'll, we'll absolutely include makerspacect.com, your, your website, in yes. our, our episode details. But I want to I wanna pivot a little bit and talk about, so it, space sounds fantastic. How are you going to use the space, right? So I know um, education is a big part of it. Um, hobbyists are a big part of it. You know, people that might be working on a prototype for something they might want to create is a big part of it. What, what's your vision for utilizing the space? Sure. Um, sure. And, 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 and how, you know, I guess my, my ultimate question for you is how do you sustain something like this? So, um, it keeps going for generations to come. Right. And so for us, I guess I'll just talk about our business model. Um, for a second. And our business model is much like a gym. People can join our space, um, you know, on a monthly basis, much like a gym, um, you know, a full year basis, etc. Um, and have access to perhaps a shop or multiple shops contingent upon what their need is. Um, and in terms of sustainability, although it's wonderful to be um, in the nonprofit world for the first time. I've never experienced it before. I'm truly more geared to for-profit. So in terms of sustainability for future generations, we have several different revenue streams and we're looking at several different collaborations with various schools and corporations throughout the Hartford and greater Hartford area. Um, we see ourselves truly as a feeder so people can come in and they're going to get high impact classes. We're not going to take people for a semester. We're not going to give them a degree. They're not going to get a bunch of certificates. We're here to try and pry people's minds open just a little bit to think about maybe laser cutting, maybe engraving, maybe vacuum forming. Maybe they're gonna come in and look, take a class on digital fabrication and go on and open up a business whereupon they develop car wraps or house wraps. Right, right. Um, you know, maybe they're going to do plastic injection molding, 3D printers and scanners. Um, there are so many different ways. So our goal is truly to pry open people's minds and think in a different way about what is possible and what they might create. Um, and 
we, as I said, are very excited about a lot of collaborations with local schools and colleges and corporate businesses. It has been proven, and Mark Hatch, um, who was one of the founders of Tech Shop, has documented that in Detroit, they did a project with Ford employees, whereupon they gave a percentage of the employees free membership to Tech Shop, um, and a certain percentage of them paid a minimal amount to get there, and they proved that their IP applications went up by 100%. So when you get people wow. that are you know, prone to innovating and creating, and you take them out of their workplace environment and put them in a lab for fun, they get more creative. And that's the whole idea behind the makerspace. We're about equipment, community, and education. And we want to build that space for collaboration. So if somebody's working on Bluetooth development and somebody's in fiber arts, there can be that open line of sight and communication with one another to say, hey, I'm really interested in building this particular technology into a shirt. Could you help me put together that shirt or headband or you know, teddy bear or whatever, you know, the, so there are just so many options for collaboration. No, it, no, I, I think it's going to absolutely promote innovation and collisions between people that might not know each other and spark more innovation and, and collaboration. So I think that's going to be fantastic. I want to, I want to pivot a little bit and talk about how, how this is going to impact the education world, because I think you could have a dramatic impact on students' lives. I really do. Just because I know that, Many schools, specifically high schools, probably more than middle schools, have some equipment, right, uh, of some sort um, that you may have in the makerspace, probably on a much smaller scale. Like maybe they have a 3D printer in their library, as an example, right? Um, but how do you think that something like your space could work with with local schools on field trips and and, well, and, one of the first things that I absolutely want to do, because we have so many shops all in one space, is work with a lot of local schools to support and put together a program which exposes their students for a week or so to different shops and different technologies. It's one of the things I'd love to offer the schools in Connecticut. Again, prying open their mind a little, planting a seed. We'd love to work with schools. You know, they do all those fundraisers. I can't tell you how much really good wrapping paper I've bought over the years. But what about if we can support them in a fundraiser where they're selling uh, bookends? Right. And they're going to customize them. And they're, the, the, the kids are going to sell bookends to families. They're going to get their names of all the families. And then maybe one day they come in and we have someone work with them on Mastercam or SolidWorks or Autodesk, and they sit there and learn how to customize the bookend for the family, and then we go down to the shop, and they're all safely ensconced um, in the shop, and the doors close on the mill, and they put in their flash drive, and they can stand there and watch their bookends being milled. Or 3D printed. Right. No, I know that that, that would be re super cool. And I think I just think you have a, you have a huge opportunity to impact students, which I think I'm excited that I'm excited that that's something you want to do and that you're interested in that because I, I truly believe that uh, the power of field trips. You know, I always t I often tell people. You know, I grew up in Connecticut, and one of my memories as a young kid in elementary school was going to Sturbridge Village for a field trip. Yep, me too. I I remember that right, and yep. kids, kids remember field trips. Like they're very 
um, memorable experiences because they're, they, they, they get to go on the bus somewhere. They leave school. They're not doing schoolwork. And they always remember that, those days. And I, I feel like a field trip to the makerspace would be something that the kids wouldn't forget. And yeah, it, it could it could change their life and their direction. Yeah. And and honestly, we see ourselves as a feeder to the higher levels of education in an area. Somebody can come in, get exposure to a technology with a short, high impact class, join the makerspace perfect their skill a bit and then go on and take higher levels of training in that area. So we see ourselves as a feeder to colleges, community colleges, vocational schools, trade schools in the area. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that, I think that's an awesome way to think about it. So, so, uh, so thank you again for making time for us to, to share about the makerspace movement. What is makerspace CT, you know, who you are and why you got into this. I'd love to do a follow-up podcast uh, in the winter, uh, right around when you guys launch, when you, and you op- open to the public. I think that would be Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Um, because I think it would be awesome to kind of see the progress you make over the next four four months um, as you approach the end of 2018 and go into 2019. So we will keep in touch because I think I think people are excited about this, and I think you're going to um, do great things. And I just want to say thank you for uh, what you're doing for Connecticut. Yeah. And I'll just close with, so that you know, Nick, our mission is to use making as a vehicle to lift up individuals and communities. So any way we can support people along the path of creating a better life for themselves, that's what we're vested in. That is beautifully said and a great way to end this podcast. So thank you so much, Deborah, And uh, we will definitely talk again. If you would like to get involved with Innovate CT, please visit our website at www.innovatect.org. There, you can find links to our social media. We currently are active on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.